Welcome to the podcast of New Covenant Church in Albuquerque, where we focus on the Bible, faith, and life issues. We hope this podcast will be helpful to you on your faith journey. Now, here's our message. Well, thanks for joining us this morning. If you just uh, tuned in online, we're glad you're with us. As I mentioned, uh, we've had uh, messages, notices from a number of people who have illness in their family, and we're feeling very blessed that we're able to provide the online services for those who, who can't be here in person. Uh, echoing the, the elders, uh, please pray for Pastor Dave's family and that God would cover them with his favor and protection as they go through all the difficult and draining details that go with moving cross-country. I know a lot of you have gone through that. And, and while you're at it, please take time to sincerely thank Jesus for taking such good care of us here at New Covenant during the interim. This has been going on since February, and a lot of churches fall apart when these kinds of things happen. But we're still in a, a decent situation financially. You've been very, very faithful with your giving. You've been faithful with your attendance and your serving, and we are just extremely blessed with your, your generosity. As Walt said, it sounds like we have something around six weeks, maybe seven, but this is New Mexico, so we'll see how, how, the, how that all works out. But we trust that all of you will continue to be faithful in all that each of us are called to do here at New Covenant in the interim. I'm going to be out for, for three Sundays to take care of some personal things, and as we mentioned, we'll have some guest teachers, and our new pastor will fill one of those slots. And then on Sunday, August 28th, we're planning a very special message and presentation, and we usually don't tell you about these things this far in advance, but this one is, is, is very different. It's to help the church deal with and confront the nationwide and local surge of suicides that our society has been facing. And as you know, this has affected us numerous times in a deeply personal way here at New Covenant, and it's not an issue that's just going to suddenly go away. So we want to do our best to help all of us, every one of you, have a biblical perspective on how to deal with this critically important subject from things that we should say and those that we shouldn't when we're trying to encourage or comfort those who've lost a loved one to suicide, how to recognize signs of someone who is thinking about possibly ending their life, and how to deal with them non-judgmentally with kindness and love and understanding in a way that pleases Jesus. And very importantly, how we might possibly point them towards someone with experience and skills to bring them hope for their future. Because there's so many different things that are involved and it's not always just what we can see on the surface. That's going to happen at the end of August, August 28th, and we encourage you not just to be here, but to invite your neighbors and your friends and your co-workers to join us at our regular Sunday time. All right. So a lot of details to get to the message, but we're here. Let's get started. Please join me in prayer. May the words of my mouth and the thoughts of my heart be pleasing to you, O God, my rock and my redeemer. And Lord, I pray for all of us to be able to focus on your word to remove any and all distractions from our mind for this short period of time to give it to you that we may listen and learn from the word of God. 
that our eyes and our ears would be open to what the Holy Spirit has to say to each and every one of us today. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, today we continue in my long and scattered series called The Red Letters, focusing on the things that Jesus said with the idea that the actual words of Jesus, knowing what He said, can and will transform our lives. And through us, His words will transform the lives of others. So I'm going to ask you to take a few moments to just listen carefully. It's kind of a long passage, and we're not going to put it up on the screen. I just just want you to, to listen along to 15 verses of Scripture, every word spoken by Jesus as we wrap up chapter 6 in the book of Matthew, starting in verse 19. And then later throughout the message, we'll put each segment of Scripture up. But just, just listen. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them, and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. That's why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to Him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today, and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. We've been steadily working our way through the Sermon on the Mount. Powerful message from our Savior that's reverberated through all of society for over 2,000 years with perhaps more influence on the world than any other message ever spoken. And it's important to remember that the things that Jesus talks of here are not new laws. They're not designed to restrict us or condemn us. They're also not just nice-sounding platitudes just designed to make us feel good. And they're not standards that are impossible to live up to. They're not ways for God to keep us from qualifying for heaven. 
Not at all. They are examples of how each of us can grow to actually exemplify kingdom living while we're still here on earth. And I encourage you as we go through these one by one today to think of them as goals that we can and should seriously set in our hearts and minds as, as lifestyle habits that we can eventually acquire, accomplish step by step, day by day as we devote our lives on this earth to truly serve and exemplify Jesus as our Lord and Savior. So let's go through these one by one, uh, starting in Matthew 6, 19. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. We as humans love to chuckle at videos of birds or small animals like pack rats who are mesmerized by shiny little trinkets they steal to store away in their dens or nests. They're worthless to them, but the shine grabs their eye. But we as humans are a lot more like them than we care to admit, whether it's coins or jewelry or works of art. The sparkle, the status, the, the, the symbolization of wealth easily hypnotized most of us somewhere along the way. And Jesus warns us that the glow on those shiny items we love today will soon fade away. And we have to remind ourselves that what isn't stolen by thieves will eventually rot, rust, burn. They're not here to stay. And even if your earthly goodies somehow do survive to the end of your life, you can't take them with you into eternity. The only true treasures we can possess are those that we store in heaven. And they include the good works you do for others in the name of Jesus, as well as generously sharing, giving away your time, your talent, and your treasure to others who need them more than you do. And every time you freely give something away for the good of God's kingdom, you can recognize that as another deposit. It's another heavenly investment for your eternal future that will be paid back in magnitudes of multiplication by God himself. If you get nothing else out of today's message, please take a good, hard, honest look inside your life to what you truly treasure. If it's all in the bank, a stock account, a safe, or in your home or garage, that's where your heart is. And any pastor, anybody who runs any sort of a ministry will tell you that Converting Christians is a, is a tricky procedure. It takes some time and it takes, takes some effort for, for it to stick. And, and we know that we have to convert the heart and the mind and the checkbook. And a lot of times that, that, that's the toughest one. And a lot of people can never, ever get to that. And, you know, churches and pastors have a, a, an overall bad reputation out in society. Much of it, probably most of it, undeserved because if we're truly teaching the full word of God the Lord wants us to know how important having a light hand on our treasures is to our relationship with him if you can learn to see that your true treasures are in heaven that's where your interest and where your heart will be and Dallas Willard notes that while our eternal treasures 
will be waiting for us when we get to heaven. We have great access to them right now. They're not to be thought of as a life insurance policy with benefits that we can't cash in until after our death. Willard says, quote, we can and should draw upon this eternal treasure as needed, for it's nothing less than God himself and the wonderful society of his kingdom, even now interwoven in my life. Eternity is ongoing right now, at this very moment. I am leading a life that will last forever. Upon my treasure in the heavens, I now draw for present current needs. As the Apostle Paul taught us in Philippians 4.19 where he wrote, My God shall supply every need you have in terms of his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Back to Matthew 6, verse 22. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. Now, it's always seemed strange to me for years that Jesus is talking about something totally different and all of a sudden he starts talking about our eyesight. He's talking about wealth and possessions and he's using the physical example to explain an important spiritual point. Our physical eye provides the light for our body to see the world around us. God's Holy Spirit gives us as believers the spiritual insight to understand the difference between light and dark, the good and bad that comes our way each and every day. This is incredibly important, especially in today's turbulent society, and it's important in a wide variety of ways. False teachers are growing quickly in both their numbers and their boldness of the outrageous things they're making up and trying to teach us God's Word. Scripture teaches us the evil one often, almost always, disguises his schemes in a beautiful light. So we have to make good use of our spiritual eyesight to filter out the dangerous darkness he uses to tempt us with. Knowing your Bible, knowing your Lord, gives you the discernment to know the difference between his light and the spiritual darkness of the world. And make no mistake, Satan will place temptations in your path that look absolutely beautiful. Irresistible, shiny, glimmering, seeming like valuables you want to possess. You English teachers will like this. Watch out, beware of the nouns. They may be people, places, or things. They normally one of those three categories. It could be a very attractive person of the opposite sex suddenly expressing great interest in you even though you're married. It might be that vacation home you've always dreamed of and all it's going to require is that you work all day, both days of every weekend for the next five years. Forget about having time for family or church. It may be that car you've always wanted, the Rolex, the country club membership, that exotic vacation that requires you to stop giving to church and Christian ministries and tells others you're someone important and successful. Knowing that Christ is warning us here and in other scriptures should help to keep us from failing those tests because when we fail, there will be deep darkness in our eyes through the form of spiritual blindness that does not allow us to see 
earthly riches in our heart in their proper perspective. Back to Matthew 6.24, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Jesus speaks the truth when he says it's impossible to love them both. It's so easy to fall into the dangerous trap of envy and coveting the riches of this world. It almost always leads us to slip away from our devotion to the Lord. And then slowly but surely, money becomes our God. 1 Timothy 6.10 says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, and some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Important to point out, notice it's not money that causes the evil, it's the love of money. And Jesus states it plain and simple, you cannot love money and also love God. One will inevitably take the lead in your loyalty and obedience. Either we put God first and learn to set aside our natural desire for materialism or we live our life for nicer and nicer things and forfeit God's claim on our lives as well as forfeiting His amazing promises. Our Lord knows that even for the most devoted followers of Jesus, the struggle is real. It's so easy to say we trust in God to provide all we really need Yet our selfish side, we can't help it. We almost always want more and more. If we've got plenty, we're going to store it. Our fearful nature tends to make us look for ways to scrimp and save and store so we'll have enough down the road. And if we make the fatal mistake and feed our greed, there's never enough. One more car, one more expensive toy, the, the boat, the RV, the motorcycle, one more big deal is all I really need to make it work, all I need, greed. In Luke 6.24, Jesus condemned the rich farmer who was doing so well that his barns were overflowing with grain and produce, and he was so happy and so proud of himself, and he decided, I'm going to build even more and store and store, and I'll become so rich, I can't even imagine it. Never once did he think of sharing with someone in need or of giving thanks and glory to God. His plan was his work and his future security all on his own, independent of God. And you'll recall the Lord took his life that very night. As always, Jesus gives us the answer through his word. Verse 25 says, That's why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to Him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? You know, it's important as we read a lot of scriptures that we think of God as fully human. Jesus really had a great sense of humor. And the Bible doesn't say, and then Jesus cracked a joke. We, we, we can't infer the tone a lot of times, and we, 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 we tend to, to, to think of it as him saying, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? As opposed to, can all you're worrying about add even a foot to your stature, a moment to your life? With a grin on his face, he, he was so good at relating to people, and I think it helps us to think of it that way. 
Birds don't just sit and wait for the bug or the worm to drop into their beaks. Maybe the babies in the nest do, but everybody else is, is out working, but they're not working and worrying. They do their part to bring in their needs, and they trust that their Creator will provide, and we need to do the same. And to me, Jesus strikes a personal note here because we all tend to center our thoughts around things like food and clothing, on how long and how well we're going to be able to live and we miss out on the true meaning of this life in the process. We worry so much about not having enough to live on 10, 20, or 30 years from now that we forget to enjoy all that we have today. And I'm busted again as I've gone through this series. God has pierced me time and time again. I've been going through this quite a lot myself the past couple of years, God put it on my heart that it was time to, to walk away from the TV station, and I'll be doing that very soon. It's planned, my, my retirement in that area of my life is, is planned for this spring. And what's going to happen when I walk away from that cushy job and, 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 and the money that it brings in? Am I going to have enough money to live on to make it to 115 years of age? <laughs> Can I make it to 75 without having to move into my adult children's garage? I mean... Worrying about things like that is an insult to God. And it's a sin that denies the love, the wisdom, and the power of our Lord who promised us, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And we need to each remind ourselves that our Father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And He will provide. Worry implies that God doesn't care enough for us to provide what we need. And if you think about it, when we worry about the bare basics of life like that, we deny His wisdom. We're saying, God doesn't know what He's doing. We deny His love, saying, He doesn't really care about us. And we deny His power, saying, well, He isn't really able, so we shouldn't trust in His provision. But all the little birds do. They don't know how to plant or harvest or store things up in the barns for the future but our Lord provides all they need anyway. Our nature, especially those of us that are workers, is to put trust only in ourselves, our own hard work and determination and effort to succeed. And those can be good things, but we have to keep them in the proper perspective because the next thing we know, our lives have passed us up and we have missed the real reasons we were put on this earth in the first place. God didn't create us in His image so that our life purpose would be to dress nice and eat well. There's nothing wrong with those things, but that's not what we're here for. We are here to love God, to serve Him, to represent His kingdom on this earth. And we're here to know Jesus very, very well, personally, and to make Him known to others in the same way. Verse 28, Jesus continues, And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? Again, Jesus goes to the simple but exceeding beauty of nature. Little wildfire uh, flowers. I'm too much in my mind with the wildfires here, sorry. Little wildflowers popping up on the hillside on their own compared to human beings dressed to the max. Solomon 
the richest, wisest man who ever lived in all his glory, no comparison, no matter how hard we try to make ourselves look good. It's only by living from God's word in God's world that we can possibly possess a beauty that overwhelms even the flowers. Our God cares deeply for those beautiful little flowers and the grass that is burned as trash tomorrow. So how much more must he care for you? An interesting side note for the term little faith, I hadn't realized this until my studies on, on this passage. Scholars who study the ancient Greek believe Jesus may have invented his own word here. And you know, I, I, I try not to, to use the Greek unless it's necessary, but here it's just fun. And uh, the word is oligopistoi, which actually translates as two words spoken together. Jesus made a Greek compound word, little, and faiths in the plural. And it pops up ten times in five different verses in the Gospels. And it seems to have been a nickname Jesus himself made up as a way of teasing his disciples for their ongoing lack of confidence in God and his abilities, as in, ah, what are you little faiths going to worry about today, huh? Matthew 6.31 says, So don't worry about these things, saying, What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and He will give you everything you need. Truth be told, there's probably not a person in this room that doesn't worry way too much, and it can run the gamut. Whether it's situations of war and famine in distant parts of the world, or, or simply having enough money to pay our bills, worry often consumes our thoughts and it is like a wildfire once we let the spark get started it just takes off and goes crazy God expects that from the rest of the world but not from us Jesus says it should be different for those who know him as Lord and Savior as Christians our main focus always needs to be on seeking the kingdom of God and that lives us into living a life that makes Pleasing Jesus, our number one priority, all day, every day. It can't just be something that we think about, well, I'm on the way to church, I've got to get my Jesus mindset in. This is something we need to wake up thinking about. And it helps when we can listen to Christian radio, when we, when we belong to a, a, a Bible study or, or a small group, or we, we receive a devotional emails or things like that that get us to think about the Lord first thing on our way every day. Jesus explains it's useless for believers to even worry one little bit. Our Heavenly Father already knows exactly what we need, so we trust His provision will always meet and exceed. God proved His truth in dramatic fashion when the Jews were wandering in the desert and ran out of food in the Old Testament. He miraculously provided manna out of nowhere every day except the Sabbath. He taught the people they were only to gather enough food for one day of food except on Friday when they could gather two days so they wouldn't have to work the following day on the Sabbath. And though he never failed to give them enough, the people had a lot of trouble trusting him. 
They wanted to pile it up and store it just in case it didn't show up tomorrow, but it always did, miraculous as it was. Jesus promises to provide above and beyond what we could ever hope for, and that makes worry a useless waste of our limited mental time and space. I post a scripture on Facebook every Monday through Friday morning uh, called Morning Inspiration. And if you're not on social media and you'd like to get it, uh, we do have an email list that goes out every day. And uh, you can just uh, leave, the, leave your email and your name with the office and we'll add you to it. But I was really blessed this week by an older man who's one of my Facebook friends. When I posted this scripture, he wrote that he was raised by a pastor and his wife. They were very poor. And one night, they had nothing at all to eat for dinner. And their parents told them, it's okay, don't worry about it. You kids just go set the table anyway. And when it was ready, mom and dad pulled them around and they grabbed hands and dad began to pray. And he just went on and on about thanking God for his provision and his grace and his goodness. And there was a knock on the door. And it was somebody they barely knew who just said, you know, we had all this food left over. We just wondered if you guys could use it. Happens all the time to those who trust in the Lord and put their beliefs, their actions into their faith. Matthew 6.34 says, So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble's enough for today. I picture him grinning and chuckling again when he says that. Because do we ever get through a day without trouble? But we worry ahead about what? Stock market crash, hyperinflation, cancer, car accident, divorce. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Worrying doesn't help us one little bit. William McDonald says this scripture is God's social security program. The believer's responsibility is to live for the Lord, trusting God for the future with unshakable confidence that He will provide. Our job is simply a means of providing for current needs and everything above that should be invested in the work of the Lord. We're called to live one day at a time. Tomorrow can worry about its own things, end quote. So there's nothing wrong with thinking ahead, trying to plan and prepare for our future. There are a good number of scriptures that encourage us to do those kinds of things. But allowing our natural concern about the days ahead to turn into worry is the same as saying we just don't trust in or believe in our God. Bible experts tell me that the phrase do not worry or the phrase do not be afraid appear in Scripture 365 times. I've never gone through to count it, but I'll take their word. And I don't believe it's a coincidence. That works out to one reminder for every single day of the year. Jesus understands our natural fears of not having enough to protect and provide for those we love. And he knew we'd need to be reminded daily. Truth is, you can tell the size of your God by looking at the length of your list of worries. The longer the list, the smaller your God. We serve a great and mighty God and we should not be worriers instead we have to practice being spiritual warriors. Jesus teaches us to learn to rely on His supernatural ability to give us absolutely everything we need and beyond. 
because worry eventually consumes us with fear. And trusting in Jesus constantly, on the other hand, overwhelms us with his love and his provision. So we can never allow worries about tomorrow to interfere in our relationship with God today. The late great Billy Graham said, I should not fret and worry even about important decisions. I should let him make them for me. Don't worry about tomorrow. He is the God of tomorrow who sees the end from the very beginning. Dale Carnegie wrote, a day of worry is more exhausting than a week of work. And it's time for all of us to stop worrying about what could go wrong and to get excited about what could go right. Pastor Rick Warren says, the more you worship, the less you worry. You'll feel more patient and less pressure. And in the book, The Jesus Code, O.S. Hawkins says, Worrying doesn't empty tomorrow of its trials, but it often empties today of its triumphs. Worrying accomplishes nothing. We need to learn to be satisfied with what we have and to trust in what God will bring. 1 Timothy 6.6 6 says, Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us into this world and we can't take anything with us when we leave. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. We work to accumulate great wealth in this world nonstop, whether it's more exotic vacations, a second or third home, a larger portfolio of stocks, or precious metals piled in stacks in our safe. Most of us never learn to be completely satisfied with what we already have and the key is to learn biblical contentment this scripture teaches that a godly person content with what they already have is wealthy beyond what most people in this world can imagine and I ask you to do an exercise over the next few days take some time to realize that if we have enough to eat and clothing to protect us from the weather we're already better off than about 95% of the people in the world. Add a safe place to live and transportation that puts you in the upper 2% of humanity. Access to health care and the blessings of a mind and body that allow you to be active are well beyond what most the world can even dream of. Add the ability to gather together to worship our Lord Jesus where and when and in the way we want, with open access to His Holy Word as we're doing today, and we're just beginning to scratch the surface of our deeply valuable riches. I hope you'll have fun this week telling your friends and family about all this newfound wealth you've discovered in your life. I love when I'm talking to little kids at elementary schools because I'm, I'm, I'm a TV guy. Are you rich? I tell them, I am wealthy beyond imagination. And I just... Then I just smile, and then I hop in my uh, 2002 Toyota pickup with dents all over it, 240,000 miles, and drive away. <laughs> Psalm 37.3 says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Take delight in the Lord, and He will give you your heart's desires. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust Him, and He will help you. You know, King David wrote that. He personally struggled with the same natural thought patterns we do. 
Why does it seem like evil people often do so well in life while we struggle? This reminds us to toss out our frustration and dismay and do those good things anyway. Focus on doing the right things for the right reasons in the right ways. Place your complete trust in the Lord to take care of all the details. And He will eventually give the wicked what they are due while He simultaneously pours out abundance and goodness and blessing on you. Soak up the pure joy that comes with the ongoing presence of Jesus in your life every single day and trust that He gives us the deepest desires of our heart when we commit everything we do to His kingdom. This concludes today's message. We thank you so much for listening. We'd love for you to connect with us. You can do that at our website, nccabq.org. From there, you can submit any questions, feedback, and your prayer requests. nccabq.org is also where you can learn more about New Covenant Church. Subscribe to our podcast and newsletters, browse our online message archive, and even tune in and watch the stream of each weekly message. We hope you'll join us. So, until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May God smile on you and gift you. May God look you full in the face and make you prosper. Have a great week.